The texts that call for our attention this Lord's Day are both our Old Testament reading and our epistle reading from Isaiah 35. The wilderness and dry land shall be glad, the desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. And from James, be patient therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Do you see him over there? Everyone knows he's there. That large, foreboding creature. That creature so large that he seems to fill the room. That creature whose tusks alone deserve your attention. But don't act like you don't see him. Everybody sees him. Here he is. He's wearing four socks one over each of his massive feet. Of course, three blue socks and one pink. His undersized tail wags back and forth. What am I talking about? Well, the advent elephant in the room, so to speak. So have I completely lost it? Is this what happens when the pastor has three sermons to write in one week? The last one gets a little loopy. <laughs> no, I simply want to address that Advent elephant in the room today. So what is it that in this Advent season sort of looms large in our minds and yet we often don't talk about it very openly? Well, it is simply this. Jesus has not returned yet. I personally have had well over 40 Advent seasons in my life now. And in each one, the readings, the hymns, and the preachers suggested that Jesus' return was imminent, coming soon. And yet, here we are again with another Advent season to add to the list. Some of you gathered here have had twice as many Advent seasons or more than I have in which you have gathered and been told about his coming soon. And in one way, those of us gathered here today can say that we have a very historically limited view of this Advent. For this Advent elephant is at the very least 2,000 years old. You see the scriptures written at the time of Jesus and shortly after that told us, there are those scriptures that told us that Jesus was returning and soon. And yet, 2,000 years later, here we sit, and he's still not here. That's the Advent elephant I speak of today. James, in our epistle reading for today, told his readers that they should wait patiently for the coming of the Lord. They should think of themselves, he said, as a farmer who plants his crops and then has to wait for both the early and the latter rains to come before that crop could come forth. Now James wrote this about 20 or 30 years after Christ had ascended into heaven. Apparently then already the people were getting a little antsy about the whole situation, and James urged patience. So how can I as your pastor, sitting here not 20 or 30 years after, not 200 or 300 years after, but 2,000 years after, urge the same patience, and yet at the same time expect urgency among you 
in regards to Christ's return. Let's think about other people for a moment. You know, we often laugh at those people who will get so wound up in an end times prophecy of one time or another that they sell everything they have, they cash in anything they have of value, and they go to some common location and wait for the Lord to return. And to be certain, in most of those cases, there are indeed parts of those stories that are quite sad and misguided. But the basic idea that people actually believe that Jesus might return imminently and therefore order their lives in some way to reflect that belief, well, that part itself is not sad. In fact, we might say it would be much sadder if there were no evidence of a belief of Christ's return that could be found in our daily lives. Let me ask you a few questions. If you knew Christ was coming back tomorrow, how much strife and how much hurt would you be willing to forgive in order to reconcile with those around you? Will you do that today? If you knew he was coming back in a few days or a few weeks, how much money would you put in the offering plate today? How much will you? If you knew his return was soon, how many of the items on your calendar, whether that's on a piece of paper or whether it's in your phone, would have events that were related to the kingdom? So are they? Or in a way, have we ordered our lives in ways that suggest that we really don't believe that he's coming? Would we almost find Jesus' return an inconvenience to some of the other plans that we're really working on in life? Now, of course, I want to be clear. The book of Thessalonians, among other places, makes clear that we are not to be idle while we're waiting for the Lord's return. We're not to order our lives in a way where we just no longer go about doing any of our normal business as we await. But the scriptures are equally clear that we're not to go about ordering our business as if he won't return either. And which one are we more likely to do? I fear that sometimes that big elephant in the room blocks our eyes of faith when it comes to the promise of Jesus' return. The fact that it has taken so long that it's not occurred, well, that is fertile ground in which the devil likes to try to stomp out our faith. So we ask today, is the fact that Jesus has not returned a real elephant-sized problem for our faith? Should it shake us? Or is it quite in line with what the prophets and the Lord Jesus himself said about his return? Or how does it fit with the rest of the promises that God has placed into his scriptures? Did they come about just when people thought they would? Well, first let us go back into our Old Testament reading for a moment. There Isaiah is talking about the coming of the Messiah. And when he does that, he uses a particular image to begin the verses we read. He says that the coming of the Messiah will be like the blossoming of a crocus, or some translations say a rose, blooming in the wilderness. And that is to say that it will be rather unexpected. 
You see a crocus or a rose blooming in the wilderness is about as normal as if you were to walk out today and see a rose bush full of blooms breaking through one of the snow banks outside. You see, that is how the scriptures speak about Jesus' return. So don't be so surprised if it doesn't come about just like you would think it should. Jesus, of course, spoke similarly about his return. He said it would come like a thief in the night. He said that some would get so wearied of waiting that they would run out of the oil of faith. Yes, he too said his return would not come about in expected ways. And maybe that should not surprise us. For indeed, if we look at the overall picture of the scriptures, we see that so many times the promises of God seem to be delayed in their fulfillment. I mean, do you remember that the very first promise of the child coming to be the Messiah of God was given to Adam and Eve all the way back in the garden? Eve was told that one of her offspring would accomplish the task of setting all things right, of crushing the head of the one who had deceived those people. Think she ever could have imagined when told that, that that child would not be born for thousands of years? Or how about at the end of our Old Testament, when the prophet Malachi spoke about the day when the Messiah would come and promised that before the Messiah came, Elijah would return. You think the people that heard that message would have supposed that it would take almost 400 years for John the Baptist to show up in the spirit of Elijah? No, do not be surprised that Christ's coming has not occurred just as we might have expected it. For it was never promised to come in a way that we could expect it. And biblical history shows us so often that God soon takes a little longer than what we would think soon means. But at the same time, don't be surprised if it happens tomorrow. That's what the whole of the scriptures teach us about all this. We are to be patient and yet we're to order our lives with the expectation of his return. For yes, I'll say it again in this Advent season, like so many before. Soon, that rose will come forth in the wilderness. And when he does, it will be glorious, for the glory of the Lord will be seen. The lame on that day, they're not just going to be able to walk, but they'll leap. The dumb, they will not only be able to speak, but they'll shout. The dry land, oh, it won't just develop a few puddles here and there. It'll become a spring pouring forth water sufficient for all to drink. And the people of God on that day, well, we shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will be upon our heads. We'll obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing will flee away. The pink candle calls us to rejoice because that day is coming. And that day is a day worth waiting for, a day worth expecting. Yes, today we stare that Advent elephant right in the eyes. We admit that for us too, at times, Christ's return seems rather long delayed. And because of that at times, we have not always expected his return soon. We've not always organized our life around that belief. Today, let us simply admit that those thoughts are sinful and that they're not thoughts that are formed by the whole of the word of God. 
Well, we should know that it may be delayed a little longer. We are always to expect it today. When we confess those things, that the devil indeed plays around with this delay in our mind, well then, those thoughts are forgiven. Those sins are taken away, and that Advent elephant, well, he disappears in a moment. And when he gets out of the way, then we can just see Jesus clearly again. We can see him as that one who is coming to save us. That one who fulfills every prophecy spoken of the Messiah because he is the Messiah. Indeed, he comes, and we rejoice. He heals our sins, and we leap. He opens our mouth, and we shout. Now, to his table, let us go, for that rose will blossom there right in the midst of bread and wine. Indeed, he who has ears, let him hear. Amen.